Welcome to Public Intellectual. Public Intellectual is a podcast supported solely by its listeners. If you would like to contribute and get access to exclusive bonus episodes and show notes, go to patreon.com slash publicintellectual. It's hard to keep track of all the shitty things said on Twitter, but the white savior fantasies of men on there is worth pausing to note. Anytime anyone dies horrifically, there are these fucking guys who have to go posture online, saying if they had been there, with their guns of course, everyone would have been saved. The heroic fantasy of saving the world and getting the girl is behind every comic book superhero and every action film, including the one under discussion today, Paul Verhoeven's Total Recall. Part of our film series on the films of Verhoeven and Fincher concentrating on their depictions of gender, this one looks at the masculine need to save and protect and triumph as the hero, so much so that you would pay somebody to drill into your head and insert memories of you saving the world, just so you can believe that about yourself. As a unrelated side note, I have gotten a couple comments over the past couple weeks, people asking me if I was going to do the films of Christopher Nolan next, and I just wanted to make it clear. Christopher Nolan is a mediocre filmmaker with nothing to say, so thank you. Today, we're speaking with film critic Sheila O'Malley, and again, there is substantial discussion of the gift to the world that is Sharon Stone. We're going to talk about Total Recall today, which um, I think is a documentary about 50 years in the future after Elon Musk has colonized Mars, and now there is a labor revolt against him, and this is a very important documentary on that subject. Um, Elon Musk really did us a favor today by launching a car into space. Um, and on the day that we're here to talk about Total Recall, and he's talking about colonizing Mars again. So here we, here we all are. How, how do you feel about Mars? Would, we're you, ready. would you enjoy colonizing Mars? Well, I'm very into the planets in general, as nerdy as that sounds. I follow like planet space porn on Twitter, and I just like the planets. So yes, I would be all over. And Mars, where does Mars rank? Um, Mars... Um, you know, I'd like to go to Jupiter, but I don't think there's like a solid surface. Um, right. I believe. But yeah, I'd go to Mars, please. Uranus rains diamonds, though. <laughs> wow. So thank you just for that compliment. In, okay. Keep that in mind. <laughs> um, right. Okay. So inevitable synopsis, total recall. This is um, Arnold Schwarzenegger plays, I already forgot, Douglas Quaid. Um, who wants to go to Mars, dreams of Mars constantly, and a mysterious brunette um, that he um, is madly in love with, I guess, there. And so in, because he can't afford to go to Mars because he is just a lowly construction worker, he tries to have a vacation memory implanted in his brain so that he will believe that he's been on Mars. Um, and... That implantation sparks real memories of the fact that he's a secret agent on Mars. And so then he goes to Mars and hijinks ensue and there's a labor revolt and it's about <laughs> capitalism 
And then there's some puppets from like Arnold Schwarzenegger decompressed and his eyes are bulging and that's really disgusting. And then it's uh, it's the end of the movie after that. That's how it ends. (laughs) And there's ancient Martian technology. Yes. Involving, I believe, piercing a glacier. Yes. That will then give us an atmosphere that we can breathe. Mm-hmm. And the capitalists don't like that because they enjoy selling uh, air, right. access Right, they want to control, exactly. Yeah. Right. Um, it's just how it would go. Yes. Um, so, yeah, watching it, I, I kept thinking about Elon Musk um, and, uh, and the whole Tesla thing. Um, and his plan to colonize Mars, because I guess in the, so in the movie it's minerals, right? They're they're mining. It's a mining, right? Which is exactly what anybody would do if they went to right. Mars. Or if you were Matt Damon in The Martian, you would build, you know, you'd plant potatoes, you'd build a little greenhouse, right? That's also a possibility. I don't mean to digress, but can we talk about The Martian for one second? I, okay, which is I brought it up. I don't think that we should have anybody should give a shit about Matt Damon leaving the planet unless he cleans up his the shit that he left the, behind. The mess, right. Yeah, he just leaves all this garbage and litter lying around, <laughs> right. and then he's off. Fuck you. Right. Go back and clean up right. your stuff. Anyway. Apparently sorry. Mount Everest is also just littered all the way up with everybody's stuff. And dead Pick bodies. It up when you come down. Yeah. You know, hippies. I hate you Stop. I, I know, me too. Everybody. But that's how I feel about Mars and Elon Musk is the best thing about Mars is that there are no humans on it and we should leave it that way. I know. I don't even like that we have a rover up there. I know. Because it's just going to be there and now it's garbage once its batteries die. I'm so angry about space exploration. You have no idea. Right. Um, Anyway, we should talk about Total Recall. (laughs) (laughs) I just like to look at the planets. I mean, I would go if I could. I promise I wouldn't do anything and I would bring back my water bottles. <laughs> <laughs> yes, that would be that's an important step. Um, OK, so total recall. Um, I, I I want to talk about Sharon Stone. This is the movie that gave us Sharon Stone. Yeah. Uh, who then left us again and then has returned to yeah. us, which is um, which is nice. But she's wonderful in this. She's so good in it. And it's a it's a precursor of what we'll see in Basic Instinct where. You know, she, you know, she plays this kind of double role in Total Recall, and you're not sure. You know, she's sort of the nice wife in the workout clothes, and the, <laughs> the workout clothes. the workout clothes are amazing, and uh, and then she's this double agent, possibly, or she's set him up, or she's not real. You know, there's many possibilities, but you know, it's a classic double indemnity type character which then is just writ so large in basic instinct which made her a superstar for Mm -hmm. obvious reasons and you can see i mean she's so beautiful she's so like cinematically beautiful like just one of those faces that you can see why he was like oh i want to do a movie where it's only about that face you know Mm -hmm. um but she's so much fun in she must have had a blast and arnold schwarzenegger (laughs) who i don't right Right. But it's interesting, like the original Philip Dick story, he is a like pencil pushing, you know, Kafka guy at a desk, you know, like, so it's a little bit more like this nerd, nobody dreaming of being a secret agent. So it's a little more like, oh, what a sad, we all have these dreams, but we're all just like nobodies. So to have it be Arnold Schwarzenegger playing kind of a 
a dreamer. You know, he just wants to go is kind of a it's an amusing choice because he is gigantic. I mean, they did turn him into a construction worker as opposed to a, you know, accountant, whatever. Right. I would like to see Arnold Schwarzenegger as an accountant. Right. Although this this um, this movie came out the same year as Kindergarten Cop. So. Right. I mean, he was kind of everywhere. And, you know, I, I think it's such a it's it is kind of, I think, a perfect fit for just that time as Verhoeven and Schwarzenegger. I mean, the the very um, the humor is so, you know, consider this a divorce. I mean, that was I remember that being so controversial at the time. And it's still kind of wow, that is a really hateful, horrible yeah. Um and he just says it that in that sort of deadpan way that is a perfect tone to take for it, you know. Um, so it is a, I think it's a, a kind of a wonderful marriage of a director and a, you know, an actor slash personality. And he kind of got to be o- very open in it mm-hmm. in a way that wasn't like, oh, I'm cute and I'm a kindergarten cop, but like, who am I? And I have this, you know, wet towel over my head and I'm trying to understand what's going on. And I'm not, you know, um, I think he did a good a good job. Yeah, he actually acts in this movie. In, yeah, in comparison to most of he's the very things believable. that he's asked to do. Yeah. He, I think he's very believable. Um in a very you know, he keeps it kind of simple and you believe he's dreaming of going to Mars for no reason and uh so I th- I thought it doesn't make sense on the face of it, but I think he did a he did a good job. You can see why they wanted to work together and why Schwarzenegger had seen the movies and was like I really want to work with that guy. Mm-hmm. You know. Um, the only sort of imagery, because I, I remember seeing it when I was much younger, um, and then rewatching it, and so I had not, these are the only two times that I've watched it. The, the imagery that I remember are, of course, the three tits. The boobs, yes. Um, the Arnold Schwarzenegger in a dress, um, and, uh, the nails, the, mm-hmm. the switching of the nails. Mm-hmm. I don't know why those images were burned mm-hmm. into my brain, but those are the three things that I associate with this, with this movie. I remember that the, the gross face coming out of the stomach. Oh, right. Yeah. Really gross. <laughs> Disgusting. But there was an X-Files episode that <laughs> right. either stole that or something. But well, I mean, it's like aliens, too. Yeah. I mean, so, yeah. yeah. Um, uh, yeah. And it was written by the aliens team. Yes. Yep. Um, which is sort of. Um, Their names escape me at the moment. Yeah, mine, too. But I mean, we'll they're just like yeah. dude names like right. James and Stan. Richard. And, okay. Yeah. Those kinds of James. Those kinds Sorry, of guys. No, you're wonderful. <laughs> the, the contributions you've made to our culture are, are you know. Um, yeah, but okay. So the it varies wildly from the Dick story by incorporating this storyline of capitalism and labor revolt, which is kind of um, incredible. And I'm not sure um, where exactly that came from uh, in the sense of whose idea it was to, to do that. Right. Um, but uh, for the '80s, like a, a movie about migrant workers is um, is a, an action film about migrant workers and sex workers and sex worker rights um, is is kind of uh, subversive. I mean, all of his stuff is subversive, but right. uh, I enjoyed that particular right. element of it. And thought of that. I mean, there were a bunch of um, 
farm movies in the 80s. I mean, it was like every year there was like Sissy Spacek is a downtrodden farm wife and Jessica Lange is in a print dress, you know, fighting. It was like something was happening. Maybe Farm Aid was going on at the time or there were, you know, it was very uh, anyway, it's kind of interesting to think that it would show up. But the 80s were also hyper corporate uh, culture. Um, And, uh, you know, um, big shoulder pads, women uh, running corporations and shoulder pads and um, working girl and so on and so forth. And 80s, you know, um, feminism, which is, you know, you, you too can be a, uh, a, a you can, too can take down world economy <laughs> if you want to. Right. It's a form of success. Yeah. Um, but yeah, the, the sort of uh, to take that and put it into it. An action film and not just have like sad sack um, ladies in gingham dresses, dirty gingham dresses. Oh, totally. Yeah, in poverty. Absolutely. Um, Because I don't remember any of those movies. And I remember Total Recall. I mean, because I saw it in theater at the time and there was a lot of buzz around it. And there was a lot of controversy about the violence, um, which he always like Robocop. They had to I think there's a scene in. Or maybe it's Total Recall where he's he's um, using a dead body as a shield. Yes. And it, I mean, yeah. that is so um, it was so controversial at the time. Um, but it was but it's interesting that and that's why people loved it. And it's very violent in a way that, you know, just we don't we with PG-13. It's just it it kind of. Water stuff down. It makes I don't know. It's it's interesting. I was shocked watching it again. Like wow, this is like still really out there, and mm-hmm. the sets look like shit. I mean, it's like paper mache. I mean, it looks like Gilligan's Island rocks, you yeah. know. And uh, it doesn't matter for me. It didn't. Yeah, the whole sort of um, Mars uh, landscape looks like a painted set. Um, yeah, to to a large degree. Yeah, um, but the violence is interesting because um, I mean he's always been sort of, as far as you know, like Cronenberg uh, goriness. I'm trying to think of like who else is kind of that um, uh, up front with the violence because you know the body count in in Total Recall is not as big as any sort of Marvel superhero movie. Or John the, Wick. <laughs> John Wick <laughs> kills an entire city. We can't. You know? We can't even start talking about John Wick okay. because I've seen it so many times, and I'll. Just I love John Wick. I love John Wick. Yeah. I love John Wick. They're making another one. Anyway, sorry. Um, <laughs> uh, what was I talking about? Uh, yeah, the violence of um, of Verhoeven is very um, gory in that way. Of this is what happens when you put a bullet in a body, rather than in the sort of superhero genre, which is. It just you, you, your CGI body just kind of bounces right. off the. No, you have the projectiles in. You know, actors or however it. You know, it's very visceral. Um, and it's interesting that that upsets people more than um sort of pretending like it doesn't matter if you're. I know. No, it's very revealing. It's always it's very revealing. Um. There's always something about Verhoeven's American movies that are, you know, um, he likes he likes to dismantle sort of American um, archetypes and American um, modes of thinking. And I think the violence is a large part of that because it's just American Americans love violence, but in a very sort of, yeah, cartoony way. Yeah. Um, I mean, Robocop is really kind of really about that. 
yeah. in a lot of ways. And guys, also very acid. prophetic about the sort of militarization of police and sort of us against them. And yeah. All of his movies are prophecy. Yeah. Yeah. What's the prophecy of Total Recall? Because that's what I haven't actually been able to figure out as I was rewatching it. It's like, okay, I understand some of the things that he's doing, but it doesn't seem like as on point as uh, Robocop, as Showgirls, as Basic Instinct, right. as far as like... Or L. Or L. <laughs> <laughs> um, so what yeah. is what is the prophecy at the heart of Total Recall? Other than everybody wants to be uh, a superhero. Uh, everyone has a fantasy of... Right. of violence and um and heroism well i don't know if there is really a prophecy in it i think it's um you know in the original story and that it has you know has traveled into the film it's really like there's so many layers of identity you know mm -hmm. so you can implant memory and then you can take them out but there's going to be residues and you know it i mean i would say prophetically it's the Matrix before the Matrix. It's eternal sunshine of the spotless mind. It's the born identity. It's, you know, mm -hmm. wh where where the movies were going. It was very sort of ahead of its time in those Blade Runner. I mean, I guess Blade Runner had come after too. Wait, when was Blade Runner? I don't know. The year. Because it, it has that feeling of, you know, replicants and John Young's thinking she remembers like how can i that feels so real i mm -hmm. have a memory um that for me is uh you know it's v complex for its time you mm -hmm. know coming out of the 80s and action movies in the 80s it's um it's not just the kind of silly not silly but one-liners that everybody remembers like consider this a divorce and it's kind of psychological and philosophical about identity itself and what is memory and what is um so i don't know if that's prophet prophetic about our culture but it's prophetic about movies it felt very ahead of its time and going back to watch i was like wow and there's a red pill he has to take a red pill <laughs> right <laughs> you know yeah um it's quite influential you um, know yeah and maybe there's something there about sort of um virtual reality and altered reality technology in the sense of like we need all of our lives to be a game now and like the like sort of, why have two boobs when you can have three right you know? yeah somebody tried to do that right like there was some sort of <laughs> sorry i like don't know in, why i remember in real life that. in real life yeah. somebody tried to put a third boob in there yeah. and it didn't really <laughs> work out and I'm, i don't know why or i dreamed that uh it's unclear but uh what was i talking about but as far as like the, um, um, I was watching this ad on the New York Times. The New York Times is now doing altered reality where you take out your phone and uh, it uh, puts a newsstand in your in your apartment. So it's not there in real life. But you, if you scan your surroundings with your phone, you'll find a newsstand in there. You can access the New York Times rather than just fucking going on the app and whatever. But um, it's that sense of like um, um, reality isn't reality isn't enough. We, everything has to be super special and everything has to be heroic and um, the sort of need for um 
not just have a vacation to Mars or a vacation to something, but to have the col- uh, uh, curated package, right? So that you will only have luxury hotels and you only have good experiences. And you're and a secret agent. And you're, yeah, you're, you're, and, the and you're starring in a, you know, completely unreal. Film. Yeah. Um, it's like, a, this is the future of the Airbnb experiences. <laughs> Um, right. just implant them straight into your brain. Right. Um, I kind of like that. I can see its appeal. Yeah. Yeah. The travel aspect is kind of, is kind of funny. Um, well, it's interesting because the more I, the, I remember seeing it the first time and we all just went out and sort of were talking about it. Um, which doesn't always happen with movies or action movies. Like, wait a second, was it all a dream or was it, you know, um, you know, and I, I have no problem with Schwarzenegger's acting. I think it does the job, you know, he kind of has picked material that is good for him. You know, he hasn't <laughs> made, tried to do, um, but he's kind of checked out of his life. You know, he's, he's not, in his life mm-hmm. and he wants a memory of something he can't now w- whether that's because he actually is a secret agent and this you know which one is the real memory is kind of what's fun about the script yeah and whether he's actually saving the labor movement on mars or uh this is all just uh his brain shutting down right um, because it didn't take in the in right the, in the moment um but if you were going to have a fantasy um, about being a super spy, um, would you side with the <laughs> with the migrant workers? <laughs> I mean, I yeah. guess it allows you to be a hero and liberate a people in the kind of white savior fantasy that um, well, so many people have. Brunette that he loves. Her name mm-hmm. is Melina, I believe. Yes, Melina. Um, you know, she's one of them. So it would make sense that he'd be like, well, I want to save her and all of the three boobed people, you know, that she works with. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's kind of a colonization fantasy of, um, you know, you go liberate the people that you're actually uh, oppressing. Right. But he gives them air. So that's, that's right. nice to them. Like like Britain went and gave India some trains. <laughs> <laughs> Arnold Schwarzenegger went to Mars and gave them some air. Um. So that's nice of him. Um, <laughs> sorry, I kind of want to go back to the to the travel thing, um, yeah. because the New York Times did that. Um, um, they always do the list of the fifty two places that you should go this year, and then now they're sending somebody there. They're sending somebody oh. to each place, mm. um, which seems like a fucking nightmare. A reporter um, or like a, just a human? Just a, a regular, human. Yeah. Well, they said, you know, anybody with talent, but then they hired somebody from New York Magazine. So, right. Um, okay. They need someone who can. Yeah. Yeah. But it's, you know, what, reading that Instagram feed is kind of like um, the pitch that they were selling Arnold Schwarzenegger in the memory place. Right. Of just like pretty beaches, um, very curated experiences, uh, luxury hotels, uh Fancy food, that kind of stuff. It's like that's that's what people think of when they think of travel is is Instagram ready uh, tasting menus and uh, hotel lobbies. I think right. That's a little depressing, but it is really depressing. Yeah. 
Um, plus that list is always, um, I remember one year when they did, um, they had this thing about, uh, you know, the financial crisis in Greece um, has not lowered prices. So instead of going to Greece, why don't you go to Turkey? Because it's cheaper. It's like, fuck you. Yeah, right. <laughs> <laughs> I'm so sorry right. that a country's uh, economic collapse right. has not made it easier for you to go there and eat their right. you know, right. plunder mother. <laughs> Fuck, I fucking hate the New York Times travels. Anyway, sorry, we can stop talking about this. <laughs> well, I'm sure there's something wonderful about being like, oh, you're going to bring money to our small island. But that also means it will not be overrun. And the people who w don't want that for travel will. OK, well, let's not go uh, go there because it's going to be overrun by anyway. Yeah. Yeah. I, yeah. I don't know if we want to talk. Sorry. I know this is really digressive. Um but uh, this sort of digital nomad experience, I'm sorry that we're, we're totally off topic, but the digital nomad experience of, peop of white people from uh, Silicon Valley uh, setting up communities in Bali, Bali and yeah. Ukraine now yeah. is the sort of next Berlin, the uh, LVIV, I don't know how to pronounce it, mm -hmm. there, um, is the new Berlin and it's filled with these um, fucking assholes with laptop computers. Like Costa Rica is another big one. Yeah, yeah Costa Rica. Um, I follow a couple of them because I'm, it's hate follows. Yeah, sure, of course. Yeah. It, I, I don't, I try not to do that too much, but I'm just... Yeah. <clears throat> and they, you know, the people that I follow, um, you know, who are wearing headdresses um, of flowers in Bali and, um, you know, gigantic things are happening in the world. Literally mm -hmm. huge tragedies are occurring and not and they're all about saving the world. Now, it's so apolitical. Mm -hmm. It's so self. It's it's a parody of self-actualization and. It makes me a little bit sick. And they weirdly think that they're helping. They so think they're helping and they're grifters, you know, mm -hmm. like, okay, I have had a revelation, you know, staring at the sunset about my womanness and my uh, place in the universe. So now I'm going to give a masterclass in it. Yeah. You know, this is how oh, they. God, the Bali masterclasses. I'm sorry. You can do <laughs> like, I need to get in on that. And, you know, yeah. I mean, it's yeah. just grift. Yeah. And how can I, I, I don't know what the appeal is, first of all. I, I don't get that appeal. It feels slightly culty. Mm -hmm. You know, um, I guess it's just sort of money and I don't know. I mean, the appeal is you're um, in the place that everybody wants to be, right? Everyone wants to be in Bali for whatever, because of Elizabeth Gilbert. Um, and, uh, everyone wants to find love and wholeness and enlightenment. Um, and Bali is very, very pretty and very, very cheap. And they think somehow that if they go there, they are sort of contributing to the economy or something, but also sort of, you know, oh, we're, we're, we're living in this like, spiritually enlightened place and you're sort of walking around Ubud, uh, which is the spiritual center of of Bali and it's um, uh, vegan gelato shops and um, gluten-free taco places. And literally like it's just yeah. um, Brooklyn 
now <laughs> in Bali. Yeah. And the only place that you can go that there are no um, white people are the vape shops. <laughs> the vape shops yeah. are filled with the Balinese and every place else is just white people with yoga mats. Um, yeah, so I, I went I went to Bali to write about the, the digital nomads there and there's a very sort of, um, they think that cosmopolitanism is some sort of um, antidote to Trump that their version of the world is the antidote to Trump I'm like it's the same it's the same thing right. it's money capital it's development in a way that leaves a lot of people behind and seems to contribute to terrorism because there have been bombings in Bali um, and um, yeah, yeah it's just really sort yeah. of bizarre and now they're doing it to the to the Ukraine so interesting yeah where there is a war. <laughs> like, no, I know. They it's, have their own problems. They have, you know, the, uh, I know. It drives me. Yeah. Um, but so, yeah, Arnold Schwarzenegger, one of one of the sort of implantable memories should have been just Bali. Go to Bali in, <laughs> in your With mind. Your yoga mat. <laughs> you could, like, meet some <laughs> um, nice native girl, have, like, a Gauguin moment. and um right. Meet his inner child. Talk, talk to them. I mean, yeah. wh well, the the women in his movies are always actually kind of interesting, and the women in this movie are very interesting. I think, um, in broad, sort of archetypal ways, which is where he kind of works. He's yeah, in, he's interested in. Um, I mean, I remember Isabel Huppert saying when I I saw the L at the New York Film festival and she was there and she said you know you wouldn't see somebody like this on the subway she's not like a real person you know <laughs> she is a whatever she's mm -hmm. paul verhoven's woman mm -hmm. you know and if you can click with that like she did you get some really interesting interesting stuff and i think sharon stone definitely is his kind of actress she's an archetype type of actress um you know i think she's wonderfully very funny you haven't she hasn't really been allowed to do much of that, but she... She hasn't really been allowed to do much of anything. Yeah. After sort of... I think she's... Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. yeah. Um, but also... <laughs> I don't want to sit. Sorry. It's okay. Um, there was a hand gesture involved <laughs> in that in that moment. But, I just um, heard she's difficult. That's all. Yeah. I, I yeah. She seems like she would be. Um, but it seems like directors would don't know what... Never knew what to do with her. I yeah. mean, she was so much bigger than anything, and then they put her in Sliver or whatever. Right. Right. Um, no, and, and she yeah. she was. I mean, she's she shows her stuff in Total Recall. First of all, her physical training, the fights that the, uh, the fight scene amazing. is incredible, and you could tell it's her. I mean, yeah. that's and she is she is ambitious as an actress that way. Like, I am going to show up for this, um, and her complete embracing of basic instinct just it was as though she was in double indemnity in her head mm -hmm. you know like the scene in the rearview mirror i mean she is acting the shit out of every moment it's my favorite kind of acting yeah which is like completely controlled but in that control is like total chaos it looks spontaneous um i don't know uh and I think she's 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 wonderful and a great foil to Schwarzenegger in Total Recall too. Yeah, I think if she had gone to Europe, 
people would have known what to yeah. do with her. Yeah. Um, if she were making films there, but she's, she's and she doesn't she could fit be the American our, actress yeah. arch- the structure. Mm-mm. She's not Meryl Streep kind of drab and boring and putting on funny noses and accents and Mm-mm. stuff. Um, no, and she did. It was not a good movie, but she did. Um, I think it was Albert Brooks, uh, The Muse, right? Yeah, and that kind of tapped into something that's ha- her humor, and she was really unleashed in that. I, it, she almost it felt like she was sort of holding the the whole movie up, but um, she's very funny and very kind of out there, you know, like a dame, mm-hmm. you know, like leaning against the piano and making wisecracks kind of person. Yeah. Um, if but, she had been know. making movies in Weimar Berlin or like France now, I think yeah. that she would have had a much yeah. more interesting career. But American actresses don't go to the places that Sharon Stone goes. And so American directors don't know what to do with her. Right. I mean, I can't even imagine her in a Fincher film. Like, she would just destroy she, she's everything. She's a gigantic star. You yeah. need to have someone who can really handle... Um, and I don't mean to say I'm just about her being difficult. I've just heard stories. Right, yeah. I'm not... I don't think that that's a valid reason. I just think whatever. But and also, um, you know, be be difficult. Right. Who gives a shit. Whatever yeah. that means. Yeah. I mean, you know, she came and spoke at my school. And I remember, you know, it was her and a, a bunch of acting students. And she was so incredible with like hopeful young acting starry-eyed acting students i mean she had that like you know keep your head on straight but if you want to do it you have to you know she was wonderful she said she had thought of teaching she'd been in the business for like 10 years doing nothing i mean yeah small parts and was thinking this isn't i'm not you know and it took him verhoven to kind of corral that Mm -hmm. she's so beautiful and nobody wanted her for Basic Instinct, right? Like Verhoeven had to yeah. work for months and months to convince Michael Douglas, to convince the producers that Sharon Stone was the right person. And I guess it wasn't until every ever every other actress alive said, "I there's no way I'm doing this fucking movie." Same thing movie. with Elle. That's yeah. exactly. You know, he was like, "Well, screw American actresses." I clearly, yeah, you know. yeah, because no American actress could have done Elle. I mean, not even Nicole Kidman could have done Elle, which I guess that was its sort of other name associated mm. with it. But even she couldn't, I don't think, as sort of risky and weird as she is willing to get. It's not quite the same on the same level well, as nobody. Nobody's on the same level. As no, she's. Yeah. yeah. Can't compare. Um, yeah. And I, you know, people talk about there are no good roles for um, actresses in American film. But also, I'm so bored with like every. Yeah, all, all there are the plenty ways. of good roles for for women in American film. I mean, you just have to see more movies. There are there, <laughs> you know. Well, the actresses complain about it. You know, yeah, yeah, um, yeah. So the uh, the Total Recall style of it is so amazing and incredible. Like the whole scene where uh, it's skeletons, like the X ray machine is so. Good. Oh yeah, that's so With good. The- <laughs> yes, and he's got the gun. And it's his torso coming through. Very oh, good. So good. Um, and when he pulls the thing out of his nose and his whole oh nose God, gets you, yeah, it's so disgusting. disgusting. Yeah, it's really gross. Um, and him as a woman. That it's fantastic. Grotesque. Um, Especially because it's that kind of woman. You know, it's a sort of a church outfit mm-hmm. with like a nice scarf and a Yeah, mustard. sort of like a caftan-ish yes. uh, shape. Um, because how do you put... Arnold Schwarzenegger right. into a dress. <laughs> Two weeks. Two weeks. <laughs> it's, 
that actress too. I didn't even yeah, know who, who she was. She, she was fantastic. She's like she's pulling, pulling her, her face. face apart, and everyone's staring at her. I, that would have to be so difficult. Yeah, everyone's just standing around, going, "Jeez, lady," you know. <laughs> Um, but great. Yeah, his visuals are always sort of, um, um, well, not always, but oh, usually pretty iconic. I mean, the sweaters in Basic Instinct are iconic, and I just want that whole wardrobe. Oh, um, I know. Yeah, yeah. All the sweaters. Yeah. Um, but yeah, um, it's yeah, such a weird film, and it's such a like, um, um, weird Verhoeven movie, and yet any any. He's the only person who could have done it and done it well, I guess. Yeah. Yeah, it was fun. I mean, I remember I remember seeing it the first time. This was the, you know, watching it in preparation for this podcast was the first time I've seen it since it was out. And I was like, I'm remembering so much of it, mm-hmm. first of all, which says something about it. And um, it still feels, I don't know, it's, it's weird watching something and thinking, wow, in a way we've gotten like safer there's something there's it's very strange to go wow you know and sometimes it's like oh my gosh there's like a homophobic joke that we're now we you know hopefully but um just the just hit how out there he goes Mm -hmm. um in in every respect yeah um especially in a sort of a big action movie starring the biggest action star i don't know what the comparison is now yeah, and then, except for and, maybe like John Wick. Yeah, I mean those movies are fairly special. I think um, for very maybe not the same reasons, but sort of their own unique. Can't really compare them to. I mean, obviously they're pulling in from all kinds of traditions, but mm-hmm. um, yeah, yeah. I mean, I think Atomic Blonde was trying to be mm-hmm. Total Recall ish, um, but that the last 20 minutes of it. Yeah. Um, yeah, but it, the sort of um, R-rated violent... How would you put... Yeah, would you say... I, I mean, I think definitely the, the rating system is pretty messed up and so you have, you know, by wanting everything to be PG-13, which then ironically becomes sleazier and they're trying to push all this like yeah. really offensive stuff when if you just go for the R, mm-hmm. you know... Then you're saying this is for grownups, you know, it's mm-hmm. like Eminem with Eight Mile. He was like, we have to have it be an R because my fans are all 12 and I want to do it for grownups, you know. Yeah. Um, so I don't know. I don't know. It hasn't really served the adults in this country somehow. This sort of bringing the PG-13 sort of mentality into, I don't know, it makes... And the superhero influence of it all, mm-hmm. um, where yeah. it's the hero's journey, yeah. um, which this movie, you know, um, undermines in a in an interesting way. Um, but um, oh, right, okay, um, yeah. So Fincher gave an interview when he was talking about, well, why is he doing TV? Why is he doing Mindhunter? Is like you can't do R-rated movies anymore right. um, and get money for it. Um, you have it has to be. Um, a part of a series or a world. Um, so it either has to be like a superhero thing or like the fucking Cloverfield mm-hmm. uh, right. nonsense. Right. Um, and it has to be, um, 
um, action driven. It can't be character driven anymore. And so, you know, everybody has to has to go to TV now. Um, I do not want Verhoeven to do television, though, because I couldn't take a weekly sort of. <laughs> he has a couple things in the hopper. I haven't looked at what they are. Um, um, he's they're... doing a movie in order to meet all of my uh, sexual, intellectual, and emotional needs about a medieval nun who has erotic visions of the devil. <laughs> I'm so excited right now. Who, who, who's the star? Um, the woman from L, the wife. The wife of oh the rapist. Oh my God, no way. Oh, and, she was amazing. Yeah, and yeah. also like the, the Verhoeven blonde archetype yeah. fits in perfectly with, um, with that whole thing. So... Um, none oh, he's, erotic yeah. visions of the devil. Right. <laughs> oh, there. <laughs> um, but yeah, and then a movie about um, the French resistance during mm-hmm. World War II. Mm-hmm. I guess going back to the kind of black booky stuff, mm-hmm. but nuns first. So awesome. Yeah. Yeah. I love it. I love a movie about nuns. Forever Dog. This has been a Forever Dog production. Executive produced by Dog. Brett Boehm, Joe Cilio, and Alex Ramsey. For more original podcasts, please visit foreverdogpodcasts.com and subscribe to our shows on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. Keep up with the latest Forever Dog news by following us on Twitter and Instagram, at Forever Dog Team, and liking our page on Facebook.